so that is one of those stories where you could almost again say amen and get a lot just from that, right? Because Dietrich Bonhoeffer is just one of, I'm going to show you another example by the time we finish this morning, of another modern day person who had absolute clarity uh, in his relationship with Christ, even in the most confusing of times. I don't know about you, but we can't relate to, at least not yet, we cannot relate to a Nazi run culture can we i don't think we've gone that far yet but he was in the middle of that and as you saw god led him back to the fire he had gotten to america where he could have just kicked back and taken it easy but clarity brought him to do what he did uh, and so what i want you and i to do is to continue to look at this topic from the perspective of god's word in second thessalonians we're going to pick up in verse 13 and what we discovered early on in chapter 1 in regard to clarity during confusing times is that there are three sources that God gives us to gain and, listen, maintain clarity. Because you can gain clarity for a period of time and lose it at any point, can you not, as a believer? And so I'm talking about gaining and maintaining uh, clarity in our lives when it is in confusing culture and time. We're, it's a given. I think I don't think there's anybody would disagree we are either in or will be in confusing times, right? I think we're in them personally right now. Uh, you don't have to watch for it. It's already here. And there's always going to be those things coming from the world. So we've got three sources that God gives us to help us in those moments. Our first one, and it's not going to be a shock to you, but is our relationship with Christ. Christ. And in your relationship and my relationship with Christ, I've got to learn how to not only talk to him, but listen to him. You see, that's what prayer is. It's not just about talking. That's not bad. Talk to him. But it is also being quiet, being still and listening to him. Number two, we've got God's word. We've gotten more than even the Thessalonian believers had available to them. They did not have God's finished written word at the time. They had the oral teaching of Paul and others. And so we've got the foundation of God's word. It's whether or not you're going to respond to it or not. So it's, as we've talked about many times, it's about learning and responding, not just learning. And number three, we've got one another. Now, I'll grant you we're, we're an odd lot at times, right? If you look around the room. But we have each other. And when I say we have each other, I'm talking about believers that truly follow Christ, have a genuine relationship with Christ, are seeking to grow in him. And I'm not talking about people that just walk around with a little cross on their, their lapel or their, their shirt or a, some kind of jewelry. And their faith means virtually nothing. I'm talking about believers who are truly trying to grow. That's the people that can help, can they not, bring clarity to your life and my life. And so... You've heard me quote this before, and you've heard the old saying, you can lead a horse to water, but what? You can't make him drink. God can lead you to the water of life, but he's not going to make you drink. You and I have to take advantage of these sources of clarity that he gives us. And that is the problem, truly, my friend. If I can just be completely honest, this is all totally off script. That's the problem. <laughs> We've got the resources to always manage whatever, how hard it gets, how confusing it gets in our culture, in our world. We've got the resources to remain clear and to have clarity in our lives, even in the most confusing of times. The problem is we quit drinking from the well. 
we quit responding to the very sources. Now, what Paul does is we're going to wrap up chapter 2. He deals with two of those important sources. And I want you and I to dig into and look at what this means. And what is the response called for for you and I to have clarity in our lives? Look at what Paul says beginning with verse 13 as he's talking to these believers that are trying to regain their clarity and they've allowed confusion to reign. He said, but we ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, the believers of Thessalonica, loved by the Lord. And he tells them why. Because God chose you as first fruits to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. Verse 14, he says, He, that is Christ, called you to, to this through our gospel, to that sanctification and that belief in the truth. I'll come back to that. He called them through the gospel that you might share, here's the future promise, in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he asked for a response in verse 15. He says, So then, and that's, here's an application. Here's how you respond. So then, brothers and sisters, do what? Stand firm and hold fast to the teachings we, that is Paul and Silas and others, we passed on to you, whether by word of mouth or by letter. May our Lord, and here's Paul's prayer for them, may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and work. Now let's go back and look at what Paul said to start with, verse 13. He once again, and this is not the first time that he's expressed this about the Thessalonian believers, he says, I'm grateful to you. I am genuinely pray to God and I express gratitude for you. Why is that? He expressed gratitude to them or about them to God because they had a genuine faith. In the midst of the craziness of the culture they lived in and the challenges they were having, they never gave up on their faith in Christ. They kept growing. They kept seizing. They kept holding on and standing firm. So I want you and I to consider this morning from these verses to them, how do you and I build the foundation necessary to have to gain and maintain clarity in our lives how do you, listen come on you need clarity do you not to make wise decisions isn't that a given you need to know the difference between what is true and what is not and that can be real confusing to discern at times can it not in order to make the right decisions doesn't this affect everything in your life basically when you don't have clarity, you're going to make some dumb decisions. That's the reality. And so what is the foundation that you and I need in place? Paul tells us what that is. Look at verse 13 after he says, we are grateful for you. Then he explains in verse 13 why he is grateful, so grateful for these particular believers. Because God chose you as first fruits to be saved. Now he said to have this new transformed life through two means. And this is what I want us to stop and pause and look at for a moment. He says, here's the two sources. Here's how this occurs. Here's how a transformed life occurs when you make your profession of faith in Christ. He says it is what? Through what? The sanctifying work of what? Who? The Spirit. The Spirit. And then he says, and, don't stop there, and it is through the what? Belief 
in the truth. Now, let's pause just for a moment, if you will, with me, and let's look at what that means to allow God's Spirit to do this sanctifying work if you have made a profession of faith in Christ, if you have chosen to follow Him one day at a time. You see, that is a, there's two parts to the concept of sanctification, if you will. And I know that's a big church word, so if you're not used to these words, hang in there with me. We're going to define them. There's two parts of it that are, in, that are important to understand. First of all, there's positional sanctification, the work that Christ is doing with you. And what this means is you are set apart for God at the moment that you make your profession of faith, at the moment that you are saved, the moment that you choose to trust who Christ says he is and we just saw a picture of it with baptism it is the choice to follow him each new day die to self and live for Christ it's a resurrected life that's being talked about so the question becomes when you made your profession of faith did you choose to set your one day at a time set your part, yourself apart from the world and set yourself to Christ I'm, just, I'm letting that sink in. Because there's too many believers who haven't, right? There's too, look, come on. There's too many believers that have made the profession of faith, but they've never really set themselves to Christ, much less set themselves away from the world. So you're either going to live by the influence of the culture or the influence of Christ. And too many believers have forgotten that if you made a genuine profession of faith in Christ, you are called to be set apart for Christ, not the world. You've got to separate from the world in that sense in order to live for Christ. But there's another part of this, this sanctification process that the Spirit will do in your life if you choose to respond, if you choose to drink from the water that God provides. And that is practical sanctification. And that means an ongoing process of growth throughout, listen, throughout your life it's a lifetime journey to become more like Christ. So that's the part we tend to think of and we forget, but these two things are connected. You can't begin to let Christ do the work in you until you choose to follow him one day at a time, each new day. It's not a one-and-done decision. And so when I choose to take my next step of faith, what am I doing? I am participating in a practical sanctification. I am participating. I am responding to the Spirit's work in my life. Listen, come on. Christ cannot do a work through you until you let him do a work in you. And that's what he is telling us. You will have clarity in your life, even as crazy as the culture might get and even as confusing as it may get if you choose to respond to the prompting of his spirit in your life. What does the Bible say? When Jesus left, he sent someone, God's spirit, right into your life. And he is with you, speaking to you. That's not the question. Are you listening? And are you responding? That's really the question. Because the Bible I read says he's at work. Are you there? He's at work. And it's whether or not you're going to respond or not. Passively, actively ignore him or respond to him at work in your life. But there's another part to this that we need to look at just real briefly. And he says this clarity comes not only through the work of his spirit within you as a believer, a follower of Christ, but this, this comes when you and I not only know the truth, but what? 
Did you see what he said? Read the fine print. Belief in the truth. See, it's not enough to know the truth. Satan knows the truth. It's whether or not you're going to live by the truth. You see the word belief, it's interesting because Paul, if you remember last week, and I'm not expecting you to remember everything we talked about last week, but let me remind you just in case. Verse 11, he said, those who are separated from Christ, those who reject Jesus, are you looking back at verse 11, they are under a delusion, the delusion of this world and of the satanic realm. And ultimately, they have a belief in a what? In a lie. There's the contrast. You're going to have a belief in something, right? Come on. You're going to place your faith in something. And what Paul says is you, even as a believer, will have a choice. You can begin to place your belief, your faith in the lie of this world, the delusion of the world we're in, run and undermined by the satanic realm. Or you can choose what Paul says in verse 13. What does he say? Belief in the truth. What does that mean? You see, belief means moral conviction about the truth, not just a knowledge of it. Belief is the word faith. It is faith that relies on the truth. In other words, I'm not going to go by how I feel to determine what is true. I'm going to go by what God reveals is the truth. We live in a, come on, we li, this is all free. I'm giving you a bunch of free stuff you don't realize. We, we live in a world today that even believers are falling for moral relativism. In other words, I make up the rules as I go. We li, listen, we, we, we have been inundated and brainwashed in this world for so long that our kids and younger generations have fallen for the lie that you make up your own truth. Baloney, that is leading us clearly down a rat hole in our culture today. And yet, people, and I'm not blaming and judging, I'm just saying this is how it is. Their delusion is so, is so grabbed, gripped on their hearts and minds, they're going down the rat hole and they don't even know it. It's the frog in the kettle, they've gotten used to it. Believers are falling for the same trap, that's why I'm making a big deal out of this right now. Too many believers in our churches are falling for the same trap. Why? Because they may know, and in some cases they're even ignorant about the truth of God's word. They may know the truth of God's word to some degree, but they are not, they are not putting their faith in the truth that God's revealing. In other words, they're not living by it. They're not, they're not filtering the decisions they're making, whatever those decisions may be, through his word. They're going by how they feel. Or what the culture tells them is the right thing to do. So Paul is telling us, God can lead you to the water, but he's not going to make you drink. He gives you the opportunities to have clarity, even in the most confusing of times, but he's not going to force you to respond because it's a relationship. He doesn't want to be your puppeteer. He wants you to choose to love him and see what he does with that. Now look at what Paul says, and I'll move a lot quicker. Verse 14, he says, he called you, Christ called you to this life to let him do that work through his spirit and belief in the truth. He called you it through the gospel that you might, and here's the result, that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know what he just said? 
The word glory is used of Jesus' resurrected life. He is saying that when it's all said and done, Jesus' purpose for you as a follower of Christ is that you will experience a resurrected life. Life as God has it, complete, like he intended from the beginning. So in essence, what is, the, what, is, what is it we've got to grasp? Paul repeats it over and again that we are called to this redeemed life, this foundation that Christ gives us. Romans chapter 8, verse 30, he says, And those he predestined, he has called. And those he called, he has also justified. Those he has justified, he has what? Glorified. There's the ultimate end of the journey. There is where Christ is trying to bring your life. So notice the progression that Paul uses. 1 Corinthians chapter chapter 1 verse 9 he says God is faithful is he not he is faithful who has called you into what fellowship into a relationship with his son Jesus Christ and then Paul says I've got this confidence according to Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 he says being confident of this that he who began a good work in you will do what he's going to finish it He's going to carry it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That's if you let him. You've got to respond to the water. You've got to drink the water. He'll lead you to it. And in essence, what I'm trying to get at is there's two important resources that you and I have every day of our life as a follower of Christ that will give us the foundation for clarity in Christ. Number one is, is the work of his spirit. His spirit is in you if you're a follower of Christ. His spirit is trying to do that work, but he needs your cooperation for it to change who you are and to give you clarity. You need and I need to respond and let his spirit lead me instead of choosing my own path. Are you, listen, come on. Do you sense the prompting of God's spirit at different times in your life? And what is your pattern? Ignore him or follow? Because Listen, come on. Sometimes God's spirit's gonna prompt me to do something I'm not quite comfortable with, right? Will he take you outside your comfort zone? Are you gonna grow? Then you're gonna step outside your comfort zone. yes. And when I just decide to take that next step of faith, guess what? He gives me the strength to take the next step of faith. That's how it works. It's not just about knowing, but it is responding to him. And then he, he says it is through trusting the revealed truth, not just knowing about God's word. You, again, I'm going to say that I've lost track how many times I say this. Not what you know. It's what you do with you know. Do with you know. It's what you do with what you know that changes life. That's God's word. And that's what, I didn't make that up. God said that in his word. Now let's wrap this up and, and see at why you and I would want to do this. Why would you want to give control essentially to God through his spirit and trust God's revealed truth in his word? Look at verse 15. He says, so then brothers and sisters, he's calling for an action. Here's the response. Stand firm, that's about your feet, and hold fast, that's about your hands. Hold fast to what? The teachings we have passed on to you. Now, the, the word stand firm is what you would think it means. It means to persevere. It means to abide in the truth. Even when the avalanche of the world and the culture and the media and everything else is telling you to do differently, you choose to stand firm. And then he says, hold on. That's what you do. Hold on to the truth refers to using your strength to retain what you have. 
to retain the clarity that God is giving you through his word and through the work of his spirit in your life. And, and so, Paul, I want you to notice, he says, he says, consider where you're hearing the truth from. How do I know that? Because he didn't say, hold firm, or excuse me, stand firm and hold fast to anything, did he? Look at it close, fine print once again. To the teachings, what? We passed on to you. Not just anybody. What did he just say? Consider the source. Before you run with something that's true, consider the source and evaluate it through the lens, through the metrics of God's written word. That's how you and I can get to the truth and have clarity in very... Because listen, this world's good at, at replicating truth, is it not? This world can be very confusing. It's, it, it, you can have to put in some brain power to discern what the truth is sometimes, do you not? Social media alone is cray-cray, crazy. I mean, it's just nuts. And, and, and how many people are reading stuff on the internet? It must be true. It's on the internet, right? It must be true. Somebody said it on social media. Yeah, no. We've got to be more discerning, and the good news is we can be. We can consider the source. Now, when we do this, look at the promise. I'm going to wrap it up with this. Verse 16 and 17. When we do that, when we choose to let his spirit be at work in us and respond to his spirit, and when we choose to place our faith in the revealed truth from his word, he says, may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, verse 16, who loved us and by his grace, this is all by his grace, and look at what he says, by his grace gave us, it's a given, it's, a, it's not something you might get, it is something that's a given, gave us what? Encouragement and Good hope. I like how the, that's translated in NIV. Good hope. Now, the word encouragement, you know the word it means to come alongside. And basically in this context, what this means is that when I am responsive to his spirit at work within me and I place my faith in his written word one day at a time, making my decision and living my life, he will be beside me. He will walk alongside me. And when Christ walks alongside you, that word encouragement infers two important things. He, number one, will comfort you when you need it. You ever needed comfort? Jesus is offering it right here. And it also means I will inspire you. You ever been to a track meet where somebody's on the, the grass part of the, the track on the inside, and it's either a, a, a team player, uh, somebody, somebody that's running a long race, or a coach that is running along the grass, cheering them along. That's the word encouragement. Jesus is going to come along, and he will comfort you and inspire you, but you've got to be in a position to let him. You won't know he's there unless you do what his word calls for, right? Come on. Are you there? Look at the final part of it. And not only that, well, he will offer you good hope. You see, that word hope is important in the New Testament because it, it refers to a joyful expectation. But the word hope in the New Testament also emphasizes where you place your hope. In other words, when you place your hope in the wrong things, it's not hope, it's wishful thinking. But when you place your hope in Christ, there's plenty of basis for hope for joyful hope. And then he says, verse 17, he will encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every 
Not some, every what? Every action, every good deed, and every word. What did he just say? When you let Christ do a work in you, he'll begin to do a work through you. When he does a work in you, he will begin to impact other people's lives. And listen, this is awesome. Your life will have an impact beyond your last breath. Your life will impact others on an eternal basis when we choose to live this way and we choose to gain our clarity from where it can only come from. I like how the message paraphrases this last verse. It says, May Jesus himself and God our Father who reached out in love and surprised you with gifts of unending help and confidence, there's that encouragement, may he put a fresh heart in you and invigorate your work and enliven your speech. You're going to be more Christ-like in what you say. I'm not saying perfect, stay with me, but consistent in what you say and what you do. What priorities you have in your life are going to reflect Christ when we do this the way God's Word calls for. Let me show you one <clears throat> final example this morning of a modern-day person, believer, who chose clarity in the midst of confusing times. And I want you to notice in this brief story the impact his life had even after he was gone. Watch this just for a moment. Did you hear that? 3,700 churches traced their life in that one part of the world to this one man who chose. Now listen, we, we do not, we get a little exasperated when, I don't know, our electric bills are too high. Get real, come on. Christ has a good work to do through you and he wants to take a journey, a lifetime journey. He wants to lead you on this journey over your lifetime. The question is not that. The question is, are you willing to go? Are you willing to follow where he leads even when it gets challenging? Are you going to have the clarity that can only come through Christ? Because we're, we're even as believers, we're trying to get our clarity from all the wrong places. It can only be founded on Christ and Christ alone. So he's calling you on a journey. The question's not that. The question is, are you going to follow him one day, one step at a time? And just see where he leads. See what he wants to do through and in your life. Let's, let's pray together. <clears throat> Father, this, this passage today to me is... Pretty, pretty important, not just pretty, it's, it's, it's very important. But also, Father, to some extent, it can be very challenging to us. But that's the part of our journey you're calling us to, is not the whole. You're calling us just to take the next step. Father, I, I'm convinced in my own life and, and perhaps in the lives of others here today that you don't show us the whole journey because we would not be able to handle it. But you can prepare us one day at a time to handle whatever comes, and you can prepare us to take the journey with you wherever you lead, if we'll just take the next step of faith. If we will allow your spirit to do the work that you desperately and genuinely want to do in our lives, that we'll respond to you, and we will actually place our faith in your word. Learn more and respond more. Let our lives catch up with what we know in regard to the truth revealed in scripture father help us have faith in your word 
So, Lord, as we walk through one day at a time the challenges of this life and the circumstances and the, the, the sometimes crazy culture that we live in, Father, give us clarity, clarity that only Christ can give. Father, lead us to the water, and may we choose to drink. It's in Jesus' name that we do pray. Amen.